Well, welcome to Grace Wave Baptist Church and our Sunday School lesson. This is for the 29th of May, and I know it always seems to catch us off guard when we get to the end of a month. Seems like this month has uh, flown by, but I hope it's been a good one for you, and I hope that you've enjoyed it. And uh, we're going to be continuing on in our series, The uh, Miracles of Jesus, and we're going to talk about His healing of a child today. And we're going to be in uh, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 9, and we'll start reading at 37 and go through verse 42. And uh, this is a case, again, of demon possession, oppression and harassment and whatever you want to call it. And yet in this case, we find out that it is a child. Isn't that uh, terrible? I thought about, as I was putting this together, Martin Luther's words in the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And sometimes we think that some of our knowledge about demons and that kind of thing is relatively modern. It's not. Martin Luther reminds us, quote, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us, unquote. And uh, that's the truth. We run into the enemy everywhere we go. And we tend to kind of focus on the times when they manifest themselves. But the truth of the matter is, uh, number one, we don't always recognize their manifestations. And secondly, they don't always make their presence known, do they? Though this world with devils or demons, we would say filled, should threaten to undo us. They're coming against us, and they are our enemy. We will not fear, so we don't ever want to come across this idea of spiritual warfare from a legalistic, ritualistic, or fearful standpoint. For God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. And so we share in his triumph, and as Paul said, that we actually walk in the train of his triumph. And so someone has rightly said, we don't fight the enemy for victory. We fight the enemy from the victory that Christ has already won for us. Now, um, carrying on in our introduction, this is a reality of life and something we don't really understand is that every lost person is controlled by the enemy. Again, Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and 2, And you were dead in trespasses and sins, this is describing our past, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, right? The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So when we wonder what's wrong with this world, We do know that it's a fallen world. It's a world that is groaning. Paul said in the book of Romans, under the curse because of Adam's sin. We're all born with a sin nature because of Adam's sin. And so we are totally depraved. Now, the idea of total depravity does not mean that we are as bad as we could be. We are just bad through and through. And even our efforts to be good and to act good, and even when we restrain ourselves, there's still sin involved in it, okay? 
So uh, when you look at uh, somebody who's a serial killer, they're just manifesting that uh, to a more full degree maybe than a lot of us do. And some of the nicest people you will ever meet, uh, maybe uh, somebody who's lost, a neighbor who's very kind and very nice and very helpful, but if their sin hasn't been dealt with and they haven't been redeemed, then they are still just as sinful and just as depraved as the worst person you could find. And that's why if we could look into and see people's thoughts and see their motives and see their heart, uh, it would appall us. And, I, and I'm glad nobody can do that in mine or yours as well, because there are some things I don't want to know about you, and there are certainly things I don't want you to know about me. But uh, that idea of total depravity, that does affect the world that we live in. People have bad motives, bad ideas, they're selfish, all of those kind of things. Well, read Romans chapter 3 sometime and refresh your memory. But that's not the whole part of the story. You see, uh, when you think about the world and you think about the depravity and the sin, that's all bad enough. But then we have help. And the powers of darkness, fallen angels, demons, as we call them, are the ones where uh, in the book of James it says every man is uh, enticed or tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Okay? Now that puts a responsibility on us. Okay? We're drawn away of our own lust. We made a choice, and we have the lustful desires. That word lust just means strong desire. can be for anything. doesn't have to be sexual. And uh, so we, we go for it. But drawn away is a fishing term, and uh, that means that something or someone is dropping the bait that cues that lust within us, that desire within us, and uh, so then we take the bait. So it's our fault, but somebody's dropping the bait. Who is that that's dropping the bait? It's the powers of darkness. And there are some times where demons gain so much control over a person, and in the Bible they're always lost, and uh, they manifest themselves through that in some terrible and some horrible ways. So we're talking about that now, thinking about we run into this every time we run into somebody. But notice here in this story we're going to read that the disciples are completely, totally unprepared for this, but Jesus is ready. Now, isn't that good news? Because you and I have no idea what battles we're going to face, what temptations that we are going to face. They sometimes seem to come out of nowhere, but the enemy has a plan. You've heard that old uh, Four Spiritual Laws tract that says God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, the converse would certainly be true that the enemy hates you and has a terrible plan for your life. But make no mistake, it is a plan. And so while we may be caught off guard and unprepared, unready for it, uh, Jesus never, ever is. He knows what you're going through. It reminds me that even before the apostle Peter denied the Lord, Jesus told him he was going to and says, the devil desires to have you and sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And we're reminded that the Lord Jesus is praying for us and this would certainly be something that he would be praying about. So let's begin reading. Okay, verse 37. 
Now it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. Suddenly, a man from the multitude cried out saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth, and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And as he was still uh, coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. And then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. Okay, that's as far as we'll go. Um, one of the things that really uh, bothers me about this is to know the wickedness of the enemy and how they don't play fair and how they will take anything and anyone that they can get. And uh, notice here that this is entitled the healing of a child. Now, there are two words that are used in this text. And uh, the man says, first of all, you know, you've got to come and help my my son, the Greek word for son is huios, and uh, that just basically means somebody that carries your DNA, somebody of the same nature, somebody that you have produced. And it can be used of an adopted child as well, but most often it uh, carries the idea of somebody with the same genetic structure and makeup, nature, that type of thing. Um, and that tells us a lot when the Bible calls Jesus the only begotten the son of God, that he's the very nature uh, and likeness of God. But uh, that can be somebody of any age. Okay, you can say, uh, talking about a baby, this is my huios, and uh, he's a little baby. Or you could talk about an adult son. My son Taylor is in his 30s. Huios would be appropriate for him. It just simply means he's my son. But when you go down to uh, the place where it says that Jesus healed the child, that word, circle that, that's different. That's paideia in the Greek. And paideia does mean a small child. It means somebody who is much younger. We think about a pediatrician and it comes from that same thing. And so uh, how cruel it is for the enemy to do this kind of work in the life of a child, but they don't care and they don't play by uh, your sense of good or bad or right or wrong or by any uh, sort of rules or anything like that. They're wicked and uh, no wonder that they're going to be consigned to the lake of fire for eternity. Uh, let's talk number one and uh, make this statement. Demonic activity accelerates as Christ is glorified. Where in the world do we get that out of verse 37? It says, Now it happened on the next day when they had, here it is, come down from the mountain. What mountain is that? It's the mountain of transfiguration. This is where Peter, James, and John saw Christ unveiled, and they saw his glory, and they heard the Father's voice. One of the things that I would encourage you to consider is when things are going well in your life, 
when it seems as though God is blessing everything you're doing, when you're learning and growing in the Lord, that's the time to expect demonic oppression, demonic attacks. Now, we tend to think that demonic attacks come because of sin and because of our compromise, and they well could, but uh, a lot of times they may not feel the need to attack you or harass you or intimidate you in that because you're not walking in the spirit. You're not walking, being fed on the word of God. You're not close to the Lord. So they probably are not going to bother you just a whole lot. But when uh, something happens where God begins to really work and manifest his presence and grow you and you're joyous and victorious, that's a lot of times when you'll see this happen. So you can imagine the disciples coming down from this mountain of transfiguration. How do you think that they came down from that? Glum and depressed? I doubt it. Can you imagine how excited they were? Can you imagine how real everything seemed to them? The reality of the glory of Christ and of his um, deity and power and his incarnation, and then hearing the voice of God, the Father. And uh, I mean, who, who else? You read through your Old Testament. Who else had ever heard the voice of God? That is one of those things that's just uh, extremely rare. And yet they had heard the voice of the Father, right? And when you think about seeing the glory of God, you remember in the book of Exodus, Moses wanted to see the glory of God. And uh, they put Moses in the cleft of the rock. And God said, I'll tell you when you can look and you can see just the back part of my glory. No one can see me and live. But Peter, James and John were able to see the glory of Christ. When we think about Christmas, we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And in that, there's that line that says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Well, the disciples here saw the, uh, the glory of Christ unveiled. And uh, man, can you imagine what that must have been like? No wonder uh, the disciples said, hey, let, let's go ahead and, and let's build three more booths for you guys and we'll all just camp out up here together, right? And so, uh, man, they're coming down from the mountain. Don't you know they couldn't wait to tell the other disciples, their other buddies, what they had seen and what they experienced. And what did they run into when they come down from the mountain? There, there it is, the pesky multitudes again. Here they come. And then out of that, what happens? This man with his boy and the demonic manifestation. Now, apparently, while they were on the mountain, this man was trying to get help from the other disciples, and they weren't able to help him. But um, we'll uh, get into a little bit of that later on. But just kind of keep it in mind that whenever everything is going really, really well, don't be surprised when you have problems, when you have harassment, when you have intimidation, when there might be a demonic manifestation. Now, don't be afraid of it and don't walk around all the time looking for them and waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to live uh, terrified about them. We're supposed to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And I'm afraid that some people are always more keenly aware of demonic activity than they are the work of the Holy Spirit and the glory of Christ. We've got to keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your armor on for sure. 
and be ready. But uh, uh, understand this happens. God's glorified. There's probably going to be an attack. Number two, demons do not play fair. Now, in our minds, we have a sense of what's good or bad, right or wrong, and we expect everyone to play by the rules. They don't like your rules. They're not under your king. They're not a part of your kingdom. And they don't like you, and they don't like anybody like you. And they have no love for God, no love for the word of God, and no sense of fair play at all. And so um, this man is saying, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. Why would you pick on a guy's only son? You know, go to somebody with a, a lot of kids, maybe. I mean, is that right? No, that wouldn't be right either, because it's never right on here. But look at this, the only son that this man has, and um, the spirit would seize him. And so they attack anyone, anywhere, adults, children, rich, poor, men or women. It uh, doesn't really matter. And they will most certainly attack you and kick you when you're down. This is one of those things that um, we sometimes think how cruel it is for the way things happen to us when we are already going through a, a bad time. And then it seems like, you know, they just pile on. How fair is it for that to happen? Well, it's not. And again, they don't play fair and they don't play by your rules and they don't have any kind of compassion. You see, whenever you find them willing to leave you alone and make peace with you, think about this. It's either because they've already got you where they want you and they're moving on to something else. That could be. Some people aren't worthy of any kind of an attack because they're already doing everything that the enemy would want them to do. Or it could be that the power of God is so strong in your life that maybe... Um, the pastor that Sammy and I grew up under, he said, for most of you, whenever you're attacked, the enemy doesn't have to send a general demon. He just, a buck private will do. Well, if they've got you where they want you, they don't really do much and they may be seeming to leave you alone. It may be that you're just living such a compromised life. You're not worthy of their attention. It could be that the power of God is so strong in your life that as they have tried to attack and they find out that they can't and they find out that you're standing against them as they find out you're walking in the spirit that the buck private has to run back and he has to get a, a corporal or a sergeant or a first lieutenant or a captain or something like that. And uh, we always want it to be to where uh, the strength of the Lord is so flowing through us. Ephesians chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We don't ever depend upon us, our flesh, or anything like that. It's got to be the strength and the power of the Lord and his armor. And we would like for the enemy to have to go for reinforcements, wouldn't we? And so uh, there are times when maybe the Lord is working in your life and you don't see them manifesting their presence as often as um, maybe you have been because you're simply learning the word. You're learning truth. <coughs> Pardon me. You're walking in the spirit. But don't ever take them for granted because about the time you do, here it comes. Here it comes. And they've got uh, limited resources but they are very smart and they know exactly what they're doing and uh, they've got great numbers as well. Leads us to number three. 
demons are destructive. When uh, we think about God is not the author of confusion, that also tells us what the enemy is. The enemy loves to control and uh, control us and manipulate us by confusing us. There's something that is, uh, shall we say, paralyzing about confusion. You know that time, uh, those, those times when you need to make a decision and uh, <clears throat> you thought you knew what you wanted to do and any other time you would have known exactly what you wanted to do in that situation. But maybe you've gotten a little bit in, of information or something's happened and now you're not real sure what to do and your mind is kind of confused. You see negatives both ways or maybe positives both ways and you're kind of paralyzed. One of the things that the enemy likes to do is to confuse us. That's why we need to know the certainties of God's word, learn and grow and become more certain in the truthfulness of God's word so that uh, we live by our convictions and we live by the principles of the word of God. We know them, they're ingrained in us, they fill our mind so that there are just in uh, certain areas there's no question about what we're going to do. We instinctively <coughs> try to do that. Well, the enemy would love to confuse things. That, that's what happened in Genesis 3 at the tree when the serpent spoke to Eve. As God said, you shall not eat of any of the trees of the garden. <coughs> Pardon me, allergies. Those first three words, hath God said, tell us everything we need to know questioning the word of God, questioning the truth of God, and then moving on to questioning the goodness of God. You won't die, for he knows that in the day that you eat thereof, you shall be as gods, knowing good from evil. And that was all it took. And so try to muddy the waters, muddle everything, make it unclear. You've got to know the truth, and you've got to stand in the truth. And so they destroy by confusion. But also, uh, the thief comes, Jesus said in John 10, 10, but to kill, steal, and destroy. And so uh, not only are they destructive in the way that they want to kill you, and would if they could, but they also want to steal joy from you. They can't take your eternal life, but they can take your joy. And they want to destroy your life. They want to destroy your family. They even want to, I'm convinced, destroy your possessions even. And so when you find evidence of uh, clutter, confusion, uh, bad stewardship, not taking care of things, not appreciating even the possessions that we have, uh, those are setups for the enemy trying to get a stronghold in your life so that they can do more destructive work. Look what it says, and he suddenly cries out and it convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. Well, that's a terrible thing for a child to go through. And uh, that's why we want to remind you that playing with the occult is never beneficial. It's never healthy. Ouija boards, tarot cards, um, all of those kind of things, fortune tellers, whatever it may be, th those are never going to be for your benefit. They're always destruction because they do come to kill, steal, and destroy, not bless and benefit. And if it seems to, it's coming with a price. It's like a mousetrap. The piece of cheese is indeed there, and it looks really good, and it smells really good, but 
for the mouse, there's a price to pay. And that's the way the enemy uh, works. And this description in this verse, and we also see it in other gospel accounts in um, Matthew 17 and in Mark chapter 9. And uh, you notice the idea of being self-destruction is something that we could be concerned about. People that want to cut themselves, people that want to hurt themselves, people that want to kill themselves. That's a sign of demonic activity. That's not the work of God. God gives life. And number four, demons are actively opposing us even when we don't see or sense them. Uh, it's not just demonic when you're creeped out. It's not just demonic when something spooky happens. It's not just demonic whenever something supernatural happens. They're everywhere and they're working all the time. And uh, so notice here in verse 40, so I implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. And then Jesus answered and said, and he's speaking to the disciples, O faithless and perverse generation, because apparently they were trying to just copycat what they saw Jesus do. And uh, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? And uh, this is showing just him warning them that I'm not always going to be here to clean up your messes. I'm not always going to be here to uh, do this type of thing. And so um, he says, bring your son here. And notice that the disciples were unprepared for this encounter. They just couldn't handle it. And there are a lot of times when we get into trouble because we think we're ready. You know, I've uh, read verses in the Bible about spiritual warfare. I've had courses in it. I can handle it. I know what to do. And the Apostle Paul always warns people like you. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You're no match for them. You're not uh, going to be able to handle them unless you are prepared. How do we get prepared? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You've got to be walking with the Lord before you encounter demons, right? And you've also got to uh, uh, put on the whole armor of God, it says in Ephesians 6. Not just the pieces you like, not just whatever is comfortable, not, ever, not even just what you think you might need because the enemy, again, they don't play fair and they will hit you where you're weak, where you're vulnerable. You don't have your helmet on, then they're probably not going to attack anything else. They're going to go for your head. Don't have your breastplate of righteousness on, then they're probably going to skip the helmet and go straight for your midsection, right? They know what they're doing. You've got to be ready. And the, demon, uh, the disciples were unprepared for this demonic encounter. And while they were experiencing the transfiguration, it didn't really seem to be necessary, did it? Hey, we'll just stay up here forever, they, want, they were kind of thinking. And then when they're walking down, they're thinking, oh, we've seen the glory of God. We've experienced the glory of God. We'll just, you know, kind of keep this going. And we'll just live on this new plane, this higher plane, you know, that we dwell and walk with the Lord. And then immediately they get hit with this encounter with uh, demons. And so kind of remember this, Ephesians 6 is all day, 
every day. You need to get that in your mind all day, every day, in every situation, not just the weird, bizarre, spooky, supernatural things all the time. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. If you don't put on the armor and if you don't stand in the strength of the Lord, you're not going to be able to stand. They will knock you down. And if you don't put on the armor, um, you know, first thing and be ready, you're vulnerable. You don't just wait and put it on when you see them coming. Too late. Too late. You have to be uh, ready before the battle starts. And then number five, demons are defeated only by the authority of Christ. Folks, please don't ever think that you and the little things you do and the rituals that you do defeat the enemy. That has never been the case. It is always in Christ, in the name of Jesus, in the strength of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. This is the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's being manifest through you whenever the enemy manifests themselves. And so, uh, verse 42, and he was, as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. And then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and gave him back to his father. So the power is not in the prayer and fasting. Remember in uh, one of those gospel accounts, it says this kind comes out not uh, by, pardon me, uh, this kind does not come out except by much prayer and fasting. So what are we talking about here that we see the demonic activity? Oh, no, I need to start praying and I need to start fasting. No, that wouldn't be the time to do it. You're doing that in advance. Just like we said before, keep your armor on and be ready before you think you need it. And the prayer and fasting is something that you do as a lifestyle so that when you encounter the enemy, you are ready to go. And the prayer and fasting... Keep us focused on Jesus, grounded in the scriptures, and filled with the Spirit at all times. And so had the disciples actually been doing that, had they been ready for this, had they been prepared for it in advance, how different this story would have been. And the glory of God, of course, would have been expressed much more in this, and Jesus would have been pleased with them instead of... uh, a little frustrated with them. And the same thing is true with us. We're to be ready at all times, and we are to stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might with the whole armor of God, and we are to be praying people. And even in the New Testament, we are told that we are to fast. Jesus gave instructions about fasting in the Gospel of Matthew, and he didn't say, if you fast, he said, when you fast. Might ought to look at that. How, how big a part does fasting pray, uh, play in your life? How is your prayer life? And are you uh, saturating yourself and filling your mind and your heart with the Word of God? Because our conclusion says every moment of your life, you're at war. Sometimes demons manifest, but more often they do not. And sometimes they appear even as angels of light. Remember that? So we are to be prepared 
and we are to be ready to fight. And this is what Jesus means in Mark 9. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And so he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So don't start praying or fasting when you see demonic activity. Do it before you see their activity and just be ready. The old Boy Scout motto, be prepared. And that's the way it is in any kind of warfare. Physical warfare, our military has to be prepared. They have to train. They don't train on the battlefield. And they don't uh, wait until their tanks run out of gas before they contact the supply line to get fuel to the tanks. They're ready for all of those things. They're loaded and ready. They have a strategy. And that's the way we need to live and the way we need to work as well. And here's the good news. Our commander-in-chief knows what the enemy is going to do before the enemy knows what to do. And our armor is always sufficient. And the power of Christ is always greater than the power of the enemy. And so the only way we can lose is when we don't walk with God. The only way that we can lose is when we don't follow his instructions in the word of God. The only way that we can lose is when we try to either ignore it or try to handle it ourselves. Well, there's no reason to do that. We do have victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's think about that and let's live in that victory and walk in that victory, the train of his triumph, it's called. So thank you so much for your time and may the Lord bless you, teachers, as you are studying for this. May your class be blessed. And for those of you who are watching this to keep up, thank you for doing that and may the Lord bless you richly for doing so. Thank you again and God bless.